Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 11, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at the top of page 114, beginning with There Are Exceptions. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Carolyn S., the 12 Traditions, Susan M., our readers will be Deborah S., Rick B., and Susie K. The reference number or share ID for Sunday, August 10th, 2014, is 6738. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And a vision for you, big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carolyn S. to read for us the 12 steps. Hi, this is Carolyn S. from New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. I will now... Susan M. to read the 12 Traditions. This is Susan M., a recovered compulsive eater. 
uh, 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Susan. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 114 at the top of the page. I will ask Devorah S. to get us started. Devorah? Hi, good morning. Hi, everyone. This is Devorah from New Jersey. Compulsive overeater recovered. Thank you, God. There are exceptions. Some men have been so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. Sometimes there are cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. A good doctor or psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. In any event, try to have your husband read this book. His reaction may be one of enthusiasm. If he is already committed to an institution but can convince you and your doctor that he means business, 
Give him a chance to try our method, unless the doctor thinks his mental condition too abnormal or dangerous. We make this recommendation with some confidence. For years, we have been working with alcoholics committed to institutions. Since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. The power of God goes deep. You may have the reverse situation on your hands. Perhaps you have a husband who is at large but who should be committed. Some men cannot or will not get over alcoholism. When they become too dangerous, we think that kind is to be locked up. We think the kind is to lock them up, but of course a good doctor should always be consulted. The wives and children of such men suffer horribly, but not more than the men themselves. But sometimes you must start a life we must start life anew. We know women who have done it. If such women adopt the spiritual way of life, their road will be smoother. If your husband is a drinker, you probably worry about what other people are thinking and you hate to meet your friends. You draw more and more into yourself and you think everyone is talking about conditions at your home. You avoid the subject of drinking even with your own parents. You do not know what to tell the children. When your husband is bad, you become a trembling recluse, wishing the telephone had never been invented. Okay, so here we are in this chapter. Previously, we read the different kinds of husbands, you know, husband number one, two, three, and four, you know, the different um, degrees that the disease can take a person. And on this, in these few paragraphs that we just read, it's talking about you know, that there are exceptions. You know, before this we read, you know, um, number four, that um, there are some men that needs to be, um, you'd think that the fourth kind of uh, husband would not be able to recover, but yet they, yet such men has spectacular and powerful recoveries. And here it's saying here that there could be some exceptions, that maybe there are other disorders as well. And very important to to discuss it with a doctor or a psychiatrist and see what what what's the um what what kind of um route should we follow in this in this case um and so um inspiring to see this in the words here that you know, many alcoholics have got have gotten recovered when they were in that situation where it was so so difficult for the family, and yet they recovered. And you know, how did they get there? You know, just submitting. Um, just you know, the power of God goes deep, um, and it's it's really um, what can I say? It's a terrible disease, but yes, there is recovery, and sometimes you might have to start life anew. Here we go. What can we do about it? Um, and there are women who have taken upon a spiritual way of life, and they are able to um, perhaps transfer what they have to their husbands, and then their husbands can um, get better. You know, I know in my situation, um, I was living with my, I'm living with my husband for many, many years, and we always ate together. We were we were great. We were, we were always eating together. And then I, you know, 
various times in our marriage, you know, he was dieting and I used to sabotage his, his diet and I was dieting and he would, it was just never, we were never on the same page with the food. But then once I came into program and I committed myself and I ate to this way of life and I went through the steps and I worked them, I just, I, my actions spoke louder than any of the words that I could have, could have done. I kept quiet. I, I just did this program and I prayed for him. He's like a sick person and he had to reach his bottom and he did. And um, thank God he came along for the ride. He watched me for six years um, doing this thing, thinking I was absolutely insane. Um, but he did join me and, um, and, you know, I still need to keep my program separate you know, he does his program, I do my program, and like someone says in, in the, I hear someone say, sit on my tongue, God sit on my tongue. You know, that's what I need to do. I'm here just to, to give what I, what, what has been given to me, um, and, you know, to live in the steps, and to, you know, be patient, loving, and kind to everyone, and to learn, to live in steps 10, 11, and 12, and not, um, you know, tell someone how to do their program, but to have my own spiritual um, awakening um, and have my own spiritual way of life. And um, and for that, I'm grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone else like to share on what was page one? Katie D. from Boston. This is Larry. Paula D. Katie Larry and Paula D. Why don't we go ahead and get started with those? Go ahead, Katie. Good morning, Sally. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater. Really grateful to be here, Asta and Silver, by the grace of God, on a Monday morning and and reading with all of you. Thank you, God. Really, just wanted to hone in on. If your husband is a drinker, you probably worry what other people are thinking, and you hate to meet your friends. Drawing more and more into yourself and you think everyone is talking about the conditions in your home. Like, yeah, I mean, I had, this really talks to me about the shame of the disease. You know, the shame of, um, you know, staying up all night and eating boxes and boxes and bags and um, showing up, you know, after six months of not seeing my parents and being 100 pounds heavier than I am and not knowing what to say and them not knowing what to say and just there being all this unspoken mishigash, all this unspoken, all these unspoken words about what is going on with, with Katie, what's going on with this, with this troubled compulsive overeater and the hours upon hours that that impacted, you know, my family. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't talk about food. Um, you know, I think that my, my parents tried all sorts of strategies, talking about it, not talking about it, sending me to asylums, not sending me to asylums. And, and not knowing what to tell other people. You know, what do you tell other people that, you know, your daughter is taking a um, semester off or is being threatened, you know, to be sent home from college because of, because of food addiction, because she can't stop eating, but everyone thought she was anorexic. What's going on? And, you know, what I love is that we come together, you know, it reminds me of um, the chapter that starts off, I believe it's how it works, where we get this image, right? And, um, we're all on that shipwreck, right? And um, we—it's the moment that we've hit the hit the ocean, and we're all swimming. But here's the thing: the rescue ship has come. You know, it's not just that we're all talking about. Yeah, this is 
really shameful, and I had no power, choice, or control when it came to food. And you know what else? I couldn't manage my own life. And you know what else? I kept trying because I'm one stubborn person. You know, and you know what else? It really hurt my family a day at a time, and it caused a lot of, um, you know, uncomfortability. But you know what? Today, today, this is the day I've been given. I am a woman of honor, dignity, and grace. I have freedom from the food. I don't want the food. I show up with my family. I'm consistent. I do my best to be kind, patient, tolerant, and loving, and practice the principles of this program that are being so clearly outlined for us in this chapter. So I'm so grateful to not be trapped in shame anymore, you know, to not be trapped in fear and resentment and selfishness, but to have a way of living that will heal all things no matter what the outcome. And I am truly grateful and with that I do pass. Thank you, Katie. Larry? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive leader from Chicago. Uh, thanks for your service. So, yeah, the part that, uh, you know, this, this whole program is about identifying in um, as opposed to identifying out. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're, we're sharing here, you know, this chapter to wives. Um, the part that I, that I look at is, um, you know, the exceptions um, at the top of 114. Uh, some men have become so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. Sometimes these cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders, you know, so there there can be other disorders. There can be comorbidities um, or a dual diagnosis, right? That's that's uh, that's me. I, I don't know if you if you you know have that same affliction. You know, it wasn't just uh, I have a, a variety of of issues. One was the food. That's what got me into the doors, the rooms of OA. Um, I also have many different problems, uh, had many different problems, I should say. A lot of those have cleared up um, as a result of having a spiritual awakening. But I had a problem with living, with life, without the food, with relationships, with all sorts of things. But I'll tell you another thing that I had, because it, um, which has, has cleared up um, miraculously, you know, because it does talk here about, um, you know, uh, speaking to the uh, psychiatrist and uh, good doctor psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. Um, always, uh, since I was about 19 years of age, as far back as I can remember, I, I battled um, anxiety, um, which was quite strange to me because, uh, as an affliction, because, and I mean, debilitating anxiety at times, okay, not just the, the, the uh, you know, just a little bit of anxiety. And um, I don't, I no longer look for the whys or the, you know, because those, you know, uh, through great curiosity and study and self-knowledge, you know, we think we're going to wrap our brain around it and thus uh, figure it out, <laughs> just like we did with this problem. Um, I, d I don't worry about those things anymore. But what it does say, um, as you know, on page 58 and how it works, it says, um, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You know, I tell people I've never seen a person fail <laughs> who has who has thoroughly followed this path. I'm, I'm still waiting, um, but I, I haven't seen that person yet. But it does talk about uh, further down. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. A lot of stigma attached to that, right? You know, if we have cancer, we're we're not necessarily afraid of uh, or type one diabetes or something. We're not afraid of other people perhaps knowing. 
but it's some sort of mental disorder. Perhaps it's, you know, like a weakness. I don't, oh my goodness, I wouldn't want, I hope I'm, I hope I didn't just tell everyone that I have anxiety. Boy, they might think differently of me. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And uh, thank God, only by the grace of God, did I have the capacity to be honest, just like I'm honest on this line. And when, and when we are honest with ourselves and with others and with God, somehow the miraculous happens. We can, there's freedom in that honesty. And so what it's talking about in this, in this particular paragraph is saying, you know, that, you know, um, that since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. The po- Thank God. The power of God goes deep for me, boy. I thought that the power of God was just for the chosen few, just for those that were morally superior or thought they were, just for those that, um, you know, this God surely wouldn't do anything for me, Um, couldn't solve my problems. That's not the case. See, See, the anxiety has improved dramatically. I don't struggle in the food. I don't struggle in life despite calamity and challenge because I work these steps precisely. So that's the the message I carry. It's no longer words from a page that don't apply to me because I haven't experienced them. No, I've experienced them. So I know it works. It's not conjecture. It works. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Paula? Star one, star one, two, on mute. Here I am. Here I am. This would be Paula. You'll get another thank you. First was thank you for your service again. And I'm coming to this place, and I'm going to stick with this line and continue to go back to it. Because this is the answer, the power of God that goes deep. And in these pages explains the depth of this disease. Do you think it only affects you? No. No. It says it very clearly here. The wives and children of such men suffer horribly, but not more than the men themselves. So in our suffering, that is what we give. It goes on, and we see on the first page, what does, on the beginning, the doctor's opinion, he says, let them stand with us a while on a firing line. You know what a firing line is? Can you imagine in your head? See the tragedies. The despairing wives, the little children. Not enough? Wait. Let's move on to more about alcoholism. Just for a moment here. To his consternation, he found himself drunk a half a dozen times in rapid succession. So you think it was only him that was affected? What about the wife or the husband that said, oh, not again? Not again. This disease runs deep that is why we continue to go back to that line the power of god goes deep i want to read to you this man again the last line on 35 what does he say he knew he knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on moreover now look at this word he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection he loved them he cared for them think this disease cares oh no the power of god goes deep it must 
deeper than this disease? What is the depth? The depth of this book is thousands of feet deep. My sister's a scuba diver, and she would go scuba diving. And I said, where do you see the most? And she said, at the depth, the bigger the depth, the, the depth of the, the oceans that I travel in, at Solomon Islands, wherever. She says, there, finally, there is the peace and the quiet. She says, that is where I find that I am the closest to God. So this says here, the power of God goes deep. Oh, you remember that. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was from page one? This is Janice. Oops, sorry. Janice? Janice. Anyone else? Janice? Suji. Suji, is that you? Janice. Good, Janice. Did I hear Suji? I'm after Janice. Okay, I'm Suji. Okay, Janice, and then I'm guessing I'm hearing Suji. Forgive me if I'm getting that wrong, but go ahead, Janice, and then we'll take it from there. Well, thank you, Sally, and good morning to you, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice Ammon. I'm from Massachusetts, a a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just want to just, I hope I'm just kind of piggybacking on what what others have said, except... um, this whole page that was read is just should be labeled hope, 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 because you know the only um, principle um, that I can see here, one of the principles anyway, is the honesty that whether you have a dual diagnosis. This is what they're saying. You could have a dual diagnosis, like Larry said. You could be emotionally, um, um, emotionally. Um, but you can also be mentally, which means, in, in my case, I'm the mother of someone who has a dual diagnosis, a, a real um, mental diagnosis on medication, and um, an alcoholic and drug user. And uh, the hope, we cooperate. AA cooperates with the medical field. And I think this is what it's all saying. As long as they mean business, as long as they don't aren't defiant or disobedient and they're honest, I think it says it about three or four times and rarely have we seen. Um, and, and it says here uh, that they're convinced, confidence. We make this recommendation with some confidence. Well, I can make this recommendation with a lot of confidence also because of what I have seen for the past 20 years in my own home with the son. And, you know, I did get into a 12-step program, but, you know, I'm not the one that got him better. I had nothing to do with it, except I changed and I practiced the same principles, but I did not get him his recovery. God did. It had nothing to do with me (laughs) because I can't change anybody. I couldn't even change myself. So there's so much hope here when you think that, oh, my goodness, he's going to die. You know, the streets are going to get him, and, you know, they're hopeless. No, they're going to practice the same principles that I have learned to practice. Now, he's also a compulsive overeater, but I can't do anything about that. He sees me every day what I do. So you see... The power of God goes deep. We're not hopeless. There is hope for recovery. 
because we need to give the credit where credit is due. And to me, I know it's the power of God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And Suji? Hi, it's Suji from southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, And thanks, everybody, for your shares, past, present, and future. And um, I'm going to kind of walk into this dual diagnosis thing. Um, Think of my own dual diagnosis, which I think is all of ours, which is that I'm an addict and a co-addict. And that uh, I've needed to belong to two fellowships to deal with both sides of myself. And it's really the same side. And as has been said, there's this connecting link of shame that happens that's such a factor in our existence as addicts. And and if I dwell in that shame or someone else pushes my shame buttons, I, I can be in a lot more trouble. My program gets me out of there. But for someone who's vulnerable and not committed to a program or doesn't have recovery in one, um, that shame button is mighty powerful. And and my identity as a co-addict helps me to see because of the 12-step work, not because of the fellowship, but because of the 12-step work, which is the same in in the different programs, I, I really step back and realize that my meddling and my grandiosity, I can help, um, does nothing but make things a little worse. And I don't say a lot worse because we have a disease, and the disease isn't our fault, and the the co-addict disease isn't our fault either. But we have this saying, um, you know, we didn't cause it, we can't control it, we can't cure it. But I add to this, and I learned this from an AA in a couple of fellowships, but I did contribute. Can I accept my contribution so that I'm not adding fuel to the fire? I'm not adding to that terrible shame that a person that's not yet in in recovery feels. And can I stay out of that, that pot and not make it worse? And I, I think that it's very lovely to say the majority have never returned, but the truth is that the recovery in these chronic diseases that we have, including compulsive overeating and, and also alcoholism, it's, it's not great. We are so blessed to be in a fellowship where there are recovered people and where that hope is there. This in no way says have no hope. Absolutely have hope. But don't have grandiose expectations, which comes from our disease. We know it. When We who are recovered know how, what great grandiose expectations we can have. Instead, we need hope, tolerance, and love, kindliness, and, and not getting the fuse lit, not going to that place where we are openly in battle with the addicted loved one and, and winding up just getting in a, a terrible tailspin, which is not where we find God. It's, it's where we find a lot of trouble, and we don't want to add to that. And, and so it is a family disease, and we need the understanding and love of everybody involved. And if the addict is not there yet, 
we can be there as recovered people. And so what we need to do is, is stick to our recovery, not so that we can stick to isolation, anything but, but we can do that 12-step work and really think about the other person instead of just dwelling on ourselves and our misery. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Why don't we go ahead and move forward to page 115 with Rick. Rick, would you read for us page 115? Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We find that most of this embarrassment is unnecessary. While you need not discuss your husband at length, you can quietly let your friends know the nature of his illness. But you must be on guard not to embarrass or harm your husband. When you're carefully explained to such people that he is a sick person, you have created a new atmosphere. Barriers which have sprung up between you and your friends will disappear with the growth of sympathetic understanding. You will no longer be self-conscious or feel that you must apologize as though your husband were a weak character. He may be anything but that. Your new courage, good nature, and lack of self-consciousness will do wonders for you socially. The same principle applies in dealing with the children. Unless they actually need protection from their father, it is best not to take the sides in any argument he has with them while drinking. Use your energies to promote a better understanding all around. Then that terrible tension which grips the home of every problem drinker will be lessened. Frequently you have been obliged to tell your husband's employer and his friends that he was sick, when as a matter of fact he was tight. Avoid answering these inquiries as much as you can. Whenever possible, let your husband explain. Your desire to protect him should not cause you to lie to people when they have a right to know where he is and what he's doing. Discuss this with him when he is sober and in good spirits. Ask him what you should do if he places you in such a position again. But be careful not to be resentful about the last time he did so. Lots of instructions here to the spouse of the active practicing alcoholic. That's what this is. It's, it's, it's telling spouses how to handle their uh, husband's employer, how to deal with the kids, how to handle their friends, and it's trying to lessen some of that burden upon them. That's all well and good. But as a compulsive overeater and as our meeting, we are meeting here because we are compulsive overeaters. We are the addict. What do we have to do? How do we prevent, how do we stop our families and our loved ones from going through this agony? We have to recover. If we recover, then all these instructions become lessened. Some of these instructions may still have to be followed because of the damage we've done, but once we recover, now we take our loved ones out of that morass, out of that pit, out of that, that having to deal with an active addict. I've been on both sides of, of the coin, uh, uh, addict, alcoholic, compulsive overeater, son of an alcoholic. I know. I've been there. So 
it's not my my goal shouldn't be how to deal with the addict in my life. My goal is to recover and deal with myself. That's what the purpose of our meeting is, is to learn how to recover so that we're no longer putting our family and loved ones through this torment. So recovery is our solution. And when we recover, then we get better. When we get better, the people that are around us get better also. So I'll pass with that. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to share, please, for three minutes on what was read? Page 115. Hi, this is Linda. May I share? Yes, Linda, go ahead. Hi, my name is Linda, compulsive overeater. Yeah, this is, I wish I had had this about 20 years ago, but um, when I was really in my disease of uh, compulsive overeating to the point where I I, I had three little kids and I was um, not able to focus on them because I was so busy focusing on my weight, um, my not eating, my over-exercising, and um it just uh, described for me here um, exactly uh, what was happening in my life, uh, whereas I was so unavailable and um, that, you know, I had my husband answering to my family why I couldn't show up here or, or why uh, I called out of, and to my employer, why I called out of work there. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is definitely... Uh, you know, a pattern that, uh, you know, occurs in the family of someone that is addicted. And, um, you know, it's just beautiful that they, they give such clear directions about uh, letting go and not, and not um, you know, coddling them, so to speak. Um, you know, because I, I remember how he was at a loss to describe to people what was going on with me and why I couldn't be available for family gatherings and, 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 you know, why I was calling out of work and, you know, all the pressure he had to take care of the kids or take them to the family functions because I was so dysfunctional. I couldn't function in, in, I mean, that I was really in bad shape, but um, it's just beautiful because, you know, uh, he was in a lot of pain and confusion and, um, you know, to have this book tell the people that are affected by the disease of compulsive overeating, how they can deal with, um, you know, family members that are watching the compulsive overeater and just completely unable to make heads or tails of the situation. And, and to, you know, I know that, um, my ex-husband felt very, uh, you know, ashamed and, um, you know, so if he could have known this, he could have maybe explained quietly, I was a very sick woman. And, and, and being able to, you know, deal with um, the situation from the family members in, in you know, a way that, you know, uh, it wasn't making the situation worse. And um, he could overcome his shame of what was going on. If he could just have known to explain quietly, you know, 
not trashing me, but just explaining that, you know, she's very sick and this and that. And I just want to say this is this is just uh, wonderful for the families. And I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. This is Sally. I'm going to jump in here for a minute on page 115. I, there's a couple of things here that just really um, speak so deeply to my heart. First of all, when it says, but you must be on guard not to embarrass or harm your husband. When you have carefully explained to such people that he is a sick person, you will have created a new atmosphere. And so what this um, says to me is that we, it's interesting that we're talking here about shedding light on what is instead of the isolating that happened for so many years in my childhood then in my adult life for my own behaviors. Here we're talking about calling a spade a spade letting people know this is a sick person. And it's not that we're putting them down, it's just that we are calling it like it is, shedding light as opposed to isolating. And coming down the page it says, unless they actually need protection, speaking of the children, from their father, it is best not to take sides in any argument he has with them while drinking. Use your energies to promote a better understanding all around. Then that terrible tension which grips the home of every problem drinker will be lessened. Wow, this really speaks to my heart. It reminds me of my own mother who was extremely aggressive the many years in hiding that my siblings and I would fight for certain hiding places in our home because our mom was aggressive. My sister would say, mom's on the warpath. And it reminds me of myself as an adult. I had a wicked general anxiety disorder going through my life. And it's amazing to me that I remember for years thinking that I can't stop eating because if I stop eating and numbing myself, I might have a nervous breakdown from the anxiety that I was experiencing. I was convinced. And how many, I, I know from working in psych hospitals, and with psych patients even now on a home basis, how many of them are involved with drugs and alcohol because of their general anxiety disorder or GAD or from depression or from bipolar, whatever they're suffering from, that they're using substance abuse to numb the pain of their personal reality. And that's what I see here. Then that terrible tension which grips the home of every problem drinker will be lessened. Oh, what a marvelous thing that we have such a better way, a much better way, no longer as page 68 talks about, because I was driven by a hundred forms of fear that's spoken of on page 62, but on page 68, self-reliance at the top of the page, God-reliance, and then the fear prayer at the bottom of the page. That's what GAD has led me to. I don't have to have general anxiety anymore. I live in a different place in my mind. Thanks for letting me share, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there again to you guys. Can anyone else like to share on this page? Page 115. This is Sharon and Hey, I heard Sharon. Leah. I heard Leah. Who else? Hi, this is Janet from Pennsylvania. Okay, one more time. This is Janice M. O. from Pennsylvania. Hey, then Janice, then Leah. Go ahead, Sharon. 
Thank you, Sally. Did you call my name, Sharon? Go ahead, Sharon. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to zone in. When you have carefully explained to such people that they are, <clears throat> he is a sick person, you will have created a new atmosphere. And as I'm uh, reading these pages, it just reminds me of the atmosphere that I grew up in as a child where my mom was very mentally ill, but it was not explained. Nothing was explained. Uh, it was just, um, so of course, as little children, we all just kind of conjured up in our own little minds uh, what was going on that we absolutely did not understand. So as a result of that, there was a tremendous amount of shame and guilt and fear and so I am just so grateful um, to be reading uh, this chapter today because it just helps me understand um, myself a little bit better as well as understand the, um, the sickness that was going on in our own family that no one would, uh, was able or willing to acknowledge to be able to have this uh, new atmosphere created. And yet, as a result of seeing um, my own grave mental and emotional disorders that I, too, then tried to hide, and, and, uh, and then along with that, the addiction, but seeing where I've been brought today, um, it just gives me so much hope, like someone else said, the, the power and the painful reality of this disease and what it affects uh, not only us, but everyone around us but also how amazing is the power of God and how he can overcome, um, he can overcome anything. And all we have to do is be willing to yield and see the truth for what it is without condemning ourselves for it and then move forward and be able to have a life like we were meant to have in the beginning and so I'm just so grateful for these pages because I'm, I'm you know, just seeing again the reality of, of the, what I grew up in and didn't understand and then what I acted out in my own life and didn't understand and carried that same um, belief that all of this um, sickness must be hidden and you don't talk about it and you don't do anything about it. You just pretend it isn't there and try to do the best you can under very... Uh, six circumstances. So I am just very grateful for these pages and I am so grateful that again I'm seeing the power of God that he can bring people back from the pit of hell and he can bring people back from um, just a horrible illness like this and they are given the freedom to live a new way of life and then be able to um, share that hope with others. Uh, so with that I pass. Thanks Sally. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. And Janice, Janice, I need to get to the initial. Oh, hi. This is Janice M.O. from Pennsylvania. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share, thanks, Sally, for your service. The thing that really touched me um, in this page was that all these things that they're expressing is a direct result of me working my recovery daily and as a result of working the steps 10, 11, and 12 daily. And you know, I was, I was, as I was listening, I just could hear the compassion, you know, the power of compassion to heal relationships and just heal the, the hurt in the home. And um, I guess that's, it was just such a simple solution to uh, all the pain that's been caused by, you know, my disease. And um, 
But I think that's just what I wanted to share. It was just like, this is such a simple solution. As long as I work my recovery every day, you know, and I work 10, 11, 12 every day, I'm constantly brought back to that, um, you know, how can I be of service? How can I be loving to my family and the people I come in contact with every day? And, you know, I love that this is such a simple program. Um, it's just so helpful for an addict like me. So I just wanted to share that, and I thank you for allowing me to share any pass. Thank you for sharing. Hi, Hi Florence and Virginia. Um, Leia, and um, if we have Florence. Florence? Yeah, Florence. Mm-hmm. First, Leia, and if we have time, Florence and Virginia. Leia? Thanks for your service, Sally. Uh, this statement here, use your energies to promote a better understanding all around. I mean, obviously, you know, we're reading about some very difficult circumstances. I mean, you know, just the the cessation of drinking or not, you know, is, is one step away from, from a highly starved, abnormal condition. You know, it makes the whole family, our disease makes the whole family uh, neurotic. Um, you know, years of living with us. Um, but the message of hope here on this page, and there's so much hope threaded through uh, the, the language here. You know, your new courage, good nature, and lack of self-consciousness will do wonders for you socially. Uh, use your energies to promote a better understanding all around. You know, thank God for the program of recovery. Yes, it is true I am a real compulsive overeater. And yes, it's true that my self-centered thinking uh, – throughout my life, you know, gave me emotional twists which uh, discolored my personality and altered my life for the worse and altered those who live with me <laughs> for the worse, I must, must say. You know, but the program of recovery allows for a personality change, a spiritual awakening. You know, so whether your spiritual awakening or personality change is, is you know, quick in order or whether it takes uh, developing over slowly over a period of time, um, in either case, it's sufficient to bring about recovery. You know, a personality is made up of the way I think, made up of the way I feel, my attitude and outlook upon life, uh, upon people, places, and things, um, and the program of recovery and the implementation of these steps allowed for a change in the way I interact with life. And one huge thing that I was uh, able to learn in the program of recovery is that my emotional stability cannot be based on making others live up to my expectations. Because to the degree that I demand anything from you, anything from anyone uh, floating under my roof over here, is my emotional sobriety impossible? You know, so I have to press in to these principles, press in to acceptance, press into those uh, things that we hear about all the time about live and let live and, you know, an emotional maturity and, and willingness for me to give up my opinions of other people and other people's beliefs and other people's behaviors because that's essential to my comfort and to my ability to walk this planet undisturbed. And that is all possible through the implementation of these steps, specifically step 10, step 11, and step 12. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. And Florence, go right ahead. We've got a little time. Florence? 
You'll be our last share this morning. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Ben, go right ahead. All right. Well, briefly, um, use your energies to promote a better understanding all around on 115. And I partner that up with the power of God goes deep. We've been blessed and I've been blessed and graced to want to do better and want to uh, live a life that's more uh, more a reflection of, of the God of my understanding. And, and that's a grace. And um, both things are true. The power of God goes deep to help me use my energies. And what does that mean? Um, I'm pretty tricky in my thinking, but if I can work at getting to understand a better conscious contact with my higher power and what that means to me, and I, I have come to understand that a working of the steps is what will get you there. And um, I had a, a little bit of a longer share. Mental health has been an issue. Uh, I'm just listening to you all this morning. I realized what an impact that has had throughout my life. And um, I used to swim like a panicked person and decided I should join a swim team to be near someone I wanted to be with, but that was the wrong motivation. I, I, I think I have to learn to swim, sorry if this is inarticulate, like, like one works the program in order to recover, in order to swim in a relaxed way. Um, so that has a little meaning for me, and I'll, I'll pass there because I think we're out of time. Thank you for letting me share. Well, actually, I think we have time for one more share. Anyone have a burning desire? Carolyn to unmute. Uh, this is Carolyn from New York. Carolyn? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, did you say Carolyn? Yes. Yes? Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to point out, um, you know, it tells you to, to tell, you know, explain to your, your friends um, when you're comfortable that this is a sick man, that your husband is sick. This assumes that you understand that he is sick and you believe that he is sick. Um, in my, you know, marriage, my husband uh, doesn't understand that this is a true disease, compulsive overeating. Um, you know, he does see how much program has helped me. I mean, I've lost, you know, 67 pounds. I'm a much happier person. I think I'm overall a kinder person. Um, he doesn't necessarily attribute that to program. And, um you know, he, he still kind of rolls his eyes at, at everything I do to, to stay abstinent, you know, bringing food to people's homes, et cetera. So I don't think he would go around saying, you know, we are missing these activities because my wife is spiritually sick, you know. I, I, he will not do that. I mean, he, he wants me to conform because, you know, this is not a spiritual sickness. This is a, uh, a you know, personality defect. So, um, you know, I, I mean, it, it is important that, that the caregiver you know, understand and uh, and be on board with the fact that this is, in fact, an illness. Um, thanks very much. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And Susie Kay, would you please read for us page 164? Star one to unmute, Susie. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, good. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning med- meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely know some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.